0: Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens.
1: I'm
2: Christina Roberts.
0: I'm Chris Roberts.
2: I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us.
0: Hello. It is great to be with you. Today we are talking about ways we engage with money. And this topic harkens back to days when I used to offer premarital mentoring to couples seeking to get married. The topic of money was one of the sessions we discussed, and often it came with a fair amount of emotions and sometimes trepidation. And so I have found in my own life that money is an interesting topic because it touches so many areas of life. It deals with our childhood and family of origin, how we were raised. Where we lived, money mindsets that were a part of our upbringing. It deals with adolescence and early adulthood and our first job and learning to engage with work, spending, saving, various habits around money. Often religion comes into play and how our spiritual backgrounds inform our view of money. All of us at one time or another have probably dealt with unhealthy aspects of money, perhaps our attachments to stuff, ego lack of confidence to share ideas in the marketplace, purchases we may have regret, greed, and the like. So as we consider the ways we engage with money, what comes up for you initially?
1: Yeah, I appreciate you naming sort of the comprehensiveness of this topic because it certainly does evoke a lot of emotion, and it's something very practical and tangible that we all have to deal with probably on a daily basis is our the way that we relate to money. And For me personally, I think that the contemplative has a lot to offer in this. I'm reminded of a retreat setting where often in retreat settings, we're invited to reflect on our timeline and thinking about different aspects of our life in a holistic sense. And this particular invitation was specifically around money and our money journey and how we've related to money throughout our timeline. And that experience was so eye-opening to me because I think kind of to your point, Chris, of recognizing childhood, adolescence, jobs, different spiritual teachings that I had received over the years about money, ways in which somebody's generosity towards me really opened up a door and really expanded my world, ways in which I interacted with different questions around how my faith handled money, et cetera. And so I feel like this is, to your point, a very comprehensive subject that I'm excited to keep diving into today together.
2: The timeline surrounding money is definitely a worthy kind of meditation, something to think about and move through. Even as we're sitting here talking, it's so clear to me how this has been a topic of transformation for me over the years, because my early childhood experiences, they're actually very different from my spouses. And we've even talked about this Recently, I grew up in a scenario where it was all about having to think about your purchases, budget, save. And his family, they didn't have a lot of money, but they had a lot of things given to them, a lot of access to things. And so it just felt like they always had stuff. And we got married. It was a very... (laughs) I was a person that counted squares of toilet paper and put toothpaste on sideways. It was like everything mattered. And that was not his story. So we have definitely had to have these conversations. I've had to search myself. There is a journey there for sure.
0: Yeah, I love both of you speaking to this event in your life where you could chart out what your timeline with money has looked like. And I want to acknowledge the fact that this is a very useful tool, but oftentimes it can bring up some very challenging issues that you have had to face or maybe that you might need to face with looking back at where maybe some of your views with money have been. I know personally, looking back over my money timeline, first jobs, how I spent my money, mentors that I wish would have been there to maybe help give me some tips along the way. I think sometimes we can look back at our timeline and have regret, but I think something that is emerging for me is instead of viewing some mistakes that you've made in the past or what you would deem as a mistake Was it actually a learning opportunity that actually caused a change event in your life? And so I think that's something that comes up for me. I would say that I've made financial blunders in my life and you could call it a blunder, but really, was it like it could very well, you could turn the table and say, no, this was an event where you made a choice, you learn from it and you're making changes. So that's something that comes up for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's important to acknowledge when dealing with some of these aspects of money, the importance of being gentle with ourselves or gentle with others. If we're sitting with others in this space, because I do think oftentimes there can be shame or regret or a lot of questions around it. Did I do this right? Or even some of the differences as you're maybe with a roommate, even if, if you're married, or even if you're single and living with a roommate and maybe addressing things around the house differently of how you spend things or grocery shop or how high the heat should be or the AC or things like that, some of those practical aspects of things that do stem back to, wow, when I was a kid, we had to pinch every penny and that's coming up in ways that are subconscious to me. And until I'm rubbing up against another roommate in college or a partner, a life partner, sometimes those things can be suppressed. And then we're faced with that and it's like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. And so sometimes the solution is why I'm just going to pretend that it's not there in non-existence. Maybe it will go away because I think it can be vulnerable to talk about some of these aspects. And I think providing a safe space personally for ourselves and with others feels really important. That's
2: really helpful. We offer this notion of loving kindness towards ourselves and others in so many other arenas. And so can we also offer it here in this arena as well? And it's a really big story for me because I did come into adulthood feeling pretty rigid. I remember saying, you're not going to take me down. And like I, <laughs> There was a, a mindset for me around I grew up a certain way and I'm not going to have to live my adult life like this. Like, I'm going to be in charge. And then money has this way of foiling you. Like, you can't actually control the money the way you would like to. Unexpected expenses, all kinds of things can come up, reasons for why you can't make it work the way you wanted to. So, on the plus side, I am really good at creating a budget. But on the downside, I had to work with that rigidity that was just bubbling up and causing relational difficulty in my life.
1: Yeah, And I would say in my late twenties, early thirties, before I had children and my expenses were relatively low, had ample savings, et cetera. I found myself dealing with this low grade anxiety and I didn't know why, because the budget and the numbers didn't equal anxiety. It, it, you just looked at the data. It would say, oh no, there's security there and there's buffer and sort of those words, but that wasn't my inward experience. And so I went on this inward journey of what's behind some of this worry and this anxiety that I'm feeling. And went through a several month process of really trying to get deep and into some of that stuff. And through the end of it felt some massive freedom in my life. I find it interesting too, as we're in this contemplative context that we're talking about today, yes, there's data and there's numbers. And I think so often we can put stories behind those numbers or emotions behind those numbers, where if it's just a number, if money is just neutral, it's just, it's a currency. And then from that, recognizing, okay, what am I noticing that's coming up around these money decisions or what the data says and how am I interpreting that? Then I think we can get to some of the soul level aspects of money that again, can lead to such rich conversation and rich fullness of life and experience of how we're engaging in our day-to-day world.
0: Yeah. I like that. I think that's a great way of evaluating and looking at money. And I love that you use the word contemplative, right? Because that's what we're about is looking at things contemplatively and i think another way that i find myself being contemplative when it comes to money is I think judgments towards others are one of the ways that I can notice different socioeconomic classes, or maybe this person drives a certain car and you have a judgment with it, or this person has a certain pair of sunglasses, or people are wearing different things. I think judgment can creep into our lives in such a sly way when it comes to judging you know, how other people spend their money. And so I've had to really look at what are some of these judgments that I maybe have in my head or maybe even speak out loud. And then say, like, oh, I really need to pay attention to that. Because I think what comes up is for me, people have stories behind how they spend their money and getting to, oh, I wonder what that person's story is. So looking at something with curiosity rather than judgment. And so I think that's one thing that comes up for me as we think about being contemplative with money.
1: Yeah. Just to build off of that, I was sitting with someone, this was a couple of years back and she was sharing how growing up, they had a lot of insecurity and were often evicted from their homes and had to move and shuffle between relatives. And so as an adult, she would spend a lot of money on shoe, or I think as a teenager, she got her first job and she would spend a lot of money on shoes because no one could turn, like they could turn off their electricity. They can evict them, but no one was going to take the shoes off of her. And so for her, that just felt like a like something stable and secure to have this like really expensive pair of shoes meant something to her beyond just, oh, it's the cool shoes that teenagers are wearing. And so I think that you're right. When we sit with people and get honest, often there are stories that we aren't going to get just from our eyes on the surface, whether it's with another person or in our own lives, as well as we reflect on that.
2: I also appreciate the contemplative in this sense. And again, I don't know that ordinarily we might naturally say, oh, contemplative and money, sure. But the principles all apply. And so even just recently, there was an opportunity to be still. And I don't even remember the prompting question. It probably doesn't even matter because if there's something you need to process in your life, it'll probably come up no matter what the prompting question was. But somehow there was a number of things that I was thinking about that I cared about or that were on my mind. And so it'd be your usual suspects, the things that we'll have to spend money on, people in my life, repairs that need to get made. And it became clear only in stillness that the repairs that we were thinking about, the changes we we're thinking about, did not feel as important to me as the people in my life. That's not true when I'm talking about the repairs that need to be made. They feel larger than life. Like this has to happen and this. And then I add all those numbers up and I think that's an impossibility. But in the stillness, it didn't feel nearly as overwhelming as it felt when I was talking, which was a new revelation. It's not like you haven't had that revelation before, but I needed that revelation again in that moment.
0: Yeah. I love you even contrasting the two, like money with repairs and money with people. And I think a lot of times people want to look at their money. Is this relational? Is this connecting others? And so one of the things I like to do, because I often think about repairs too, it's how are these repairs relational? How do they facilitate whether it's being hospitable to guests who are coming over or how is the things that we're spending our money on connecting to these relationships that we have? And I think that's often a challenge, right? Sometimes we can't make the correlation. And so particularly whenever relationships are super important to us. I can't justify. We would use the word. I can't justify doing this whenever this needs to happen. And so what you end up doing is you end up comparing your values. And I think that's always a great thing to do is looking at your values and saying, which one, which value are we going to look at or which one matters the most right now? And sometimes they both matter. And sometimes you just got to pick one, but I think that's also an important practice is whenever it comes to looking at money, looking at finances, like what are your values? And then choosing how you want to spend your money based on what it is that you value.
1: Yeah. I think that taps into areas of discernment, right? As we're looking at values and how do these values coexist and each have the airspace that they need. I'm also thinking of seasons. And I think sometimes in our, like anything in life, right? There's seasons where maybe- Things might be a little bit tilted in one direction and we need to put more resources towards something for a season. For example, maybe you're going to go to college and so you need to take out some money or you put a lot of money out for that particular educational value that you have in that particular season or repairs or home or health. Maybe you're really wanting to pay attention to that and maybe eating a certain way or things like that. I'm also just mindful too, Chris, you mentioned earlier about different mentors in your lives and people who have helped shape our view of money. And just thinking through, my dad grew up in very extreme poverty in a small village Greece. And I remember as a kid hearing his stories and six kids, one died because they didn't have access to medicine. And so he actually died because of that and just a lot of trauma there. But I think he would just talk about it. And as a kid, it's going in one ear out the other. And I remember when I was 13 visiting his village for the first time in Greece, and it's like literally a wooden floor thing and the animals would live underneath. And I'm like, where did you sleep? And he's like, we all slept here on the floor. What do you mean? And just realizing, okay, maybe he was saying stories and I, I just, I needed the visual. I didn't quite get that. But I was also like a materialistic 13 year old who was really into brand name clothing and shoes. And because I was 13 and that was what you did as a 13 year old. And so I think it took time for that narrative of my dad's upbringing to catch up with me. And now that I have children of my own, just the, the heaviness and the weight of that story as a parent and all that he had to do to provide for, I'm the youngest of five in my family of origin. And so I think too, just the seasonality of different aspects of our money journeys and how they rub against other mentors or significant people in our lives, maybe grandparents, parents, spiritual leaders, etc. I think as we grow older too, those paradigms and understandings of money, I think really have opportunity to integrate into some beautiful ways that I've experienced at least.
2: That's a really great story. I appreciate kind of that's what was it when I saw it in person and how did I process that over the course of life? Because I do think it changes as we move through our life. I think there came a time in our probably mid thirties, where we finally started asking a different kind of a question. It wasn't like, is this cool? But instead, will I want this long-term? How will this be useful to my life? But man, those teenage years, how I just wanted to be like everybody else. And as all of that was changing, there was the question of what does generosity look like? in my life? And how does that play in? Generosity is very difficult. If you feel like you have to save every penny, it feels irresponsible to get rid of it. But it's funny. There's that scripture about those who want to save their lives will lose it. It's similar, right? If you try to hold the money really tight, it just sifts through the fingers a little bit. And so with the paradox of how life works in so many ways, there's the shift over time. There's realizations
0: yeah, I like that. I too, I think a very formative experience for me was when I was a teenager and there was a certain time in my family where things were a little bit tight. And I had a job and I brought my paycheck home and I gave it, I gave it to my parents. And and I remember as a teenager doing it willingly, but it was still a bummer. But now as an adult, looking back on that, that was so formative for me to be able to contribute to my family in such a tangible way. And it just brings me around to thinking of circumstances in the world right now, our possessions, our circumstances, our job, whatever can change at any moment. And what we have can change at any time. But the way that we view life, the way that we come to uphold our values I think is so important to being contemplative being someone who thinks about if I didn't have any of this tomorrow, would I still be generous? How would I live my life? And I think some of the things that are happening in the world right now, like anything could change at any moment. And So I'm very grateful for this conversation that we're having. My dad used to say there are two things that piss people off more than anything. If you talk about their children or you talk about their money. And I don't know that I necessarily subscribe to that wholesale. I think we can talk about money in some safe spaces like this. So thank you so much for a rich conversation. And now is the part of the podcast where we talk about what we are into. So what are we into today?
1: I am into bites. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but full confession, toothpaste tubes at our house are often clumpy on the top and it gets rough with the kids. And so anyway, I just discovered they're called bites and they look like little tablets and you chew it and then you wet your toothbrush and then brush your teeth. And I love it because sustainability front it's you don't have all the tubes going into the landfill. And just with the kids too, portioning out toothpaste has been an issue. And so you have this little pellet. It's the right portion. And so I am all about bites that is so good to know. I've been thinking about trying them. So maybe because we have the same issues
2: in our house. I am into the idea of maybe getting a basketball hoop to go outside. Our second child had friends over. One of them brought a basketball to maybe hang out and play basketball outside but we didn't have one we have an indoor basketball hoop and lots of other fun things to do but it just made me realize we have space for this and that could be a fun pastime for people so I have to explore but basketball hoops for the outside is my new wonder
0: Bites and basketball hoops, those are both wonderful things. Especially, I think I walked into the bathroom this morning, saw a huge glob of toothpaste just stuck right there in the sink, like just refusing to go down. So I could easily get into either of these two things. But right now, I'm into reupholstering some of my chairs. So I've found some chairs that have some sort of tears or rips in them. And I could go and buy another chair if I wanted to. I could take that chair and then put it in the landfill because I'm assuming that's where it goes. Or I could just get some material and try to reupholster. So I am currently into pulling staples and making cutouts of leather upholstery to reupholster the chair. Thank you so much. For joining us in the podcast today. We look forward to seeing you again in the future. Make it a great week. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.